morning, family. It's uh, good to gather together this morning and, and worship God. I want to welcome you, whether you're visiting, whether you're a regular. We're, it's so good to gather together as family. I want to start with a, a story that I found on a website called Bible.org by an author, Stephen Cole. Uh, a Christian man heard a message on the end times, and he decided that he, to, make, to take all he could before the economy collapsed and to try and make as much money as he could before the economy collapsed. He took his entire savings. He went to the racetrack. And he prayed for wisdom on how to bet. He watched the first race without betting. He noticed that a Catholic priest came out, sprinkled some water, waved his arms, and made some signs over a horse. The horse won by seven lengths. The same thing happened on the second, third, and fourth races. So the man wanted one more race, waited one more race, just to be sure. Same thing. The horse that the priest blessed won. So on the sixth race, he waited until the priest did his thing. And then he ran it off and he placed his entire savings on that horse. Well, the race began. The horse ran 50 feet and dropped dead. The man was horrified. He ran down to the priest and he said, priest, I have to talk to you. And he said, yes, what is it, my son? Priest, I watched you in each and every race. The horse you bet on and you blessed it won. So I went and I bet everything I had on this horse. What happened? Well, the priest said, you must be a Protestant. Why do you say that, asked the man. He said, well, because you don't know the difference between a blessing and the last rites. A.W. <laughs> Tozer says this in his book, The Pursuit of God. If you put up that quote, what comes into our minds when we think about God is the most important thing about us. What comes into our minds when we think about God is the most important thing about us. And i believe this to be true because i propose there's nothing in life that doesn't go back to what we think about god how we view him our experience of him all our actions based on who we believe god to be all our decision based on who we think god is what we give our lives to who god is what if though what if there were perchance the, the chance that we put all our money on the wrong view of God. What if we put all our money on the wrong view of God? What if he's really someone different than he thought and we put all our money on a wrong view? You see, over the next uh, f- few weeks, four weeks, what we want to do is we want to spend some time wrestling with just a glimpse. We can't do the totality, but just a glimpse of who God is is and our hope is that as we continue to in our minds and also in our hearts believe correctly about who god is it'll impact the way we live it'll change the way that we live for him so to do this we're going to spend the next four weeks in a popular song psalm you could say song popular psalm that's one of my favorite psalms psalm 103 so i think we have a page number in back here if you want to turn to psalm 103 uh, in the story of god bibles or else turn in your own bible in your app but we're going to start in psalm 103 this morning psalm 103 and in this psalm we are going to see that that god is worthy of praise that's what we start with but then we're going to answer the question why as we go through this why as we go through this psalm 103 let's start in verse 1 praise the lord O my soul all my inmost being praise his holy name Praise the Lord, O my soul, and forget not all his benefits, who forgives all our sins and heals all our diseases, 
who redeems your life from the pit and crowns you with love and compassion, who satisfies your desires with good things so that your youth is renewed like the eagles. And we're going to go past this in this message series, but for this morning, we're just going to focus on verses 1 through 5. And the Psalms were the Jewish people's hymnal, so to speak. The Psalms were the Jewish people's Our God is Greater, so to speak. They were meant to be sung to remind them of who God is as seen through what God has done. Uh, coincidentally, this this passage is the passage, if you know the music worship song, Bless the Lord, O My Soul, O My Soul, All That Was Within Me. This is based on Psalm 103 and the promises that that contains. But the word that's translated in verse 1, bless here, uh, in other translations is praise, but it's this word, if we put up that uh, barak, and it means to kneel or to bless, right? So it has this connotation that if we really knew who God was, that maybe physically or for sure in the posture of our heart, that we would kneel before him, that he's just that amazing, that he's just that great, that all we could do is kneel before him and say, praise the Lord, O my soul, all that is within me, praise his holy name. And see, David, he's the author of this, and he is taken back by the very nature of God. He's taken back to the point where when he thinks of who God is, both his mind, his lips, and then his life, he wants to praise God with everything he has. Now, granted, if we were to do this, if we were to get down in the middle of a cubicle, in the middle of a construction site, in the middle of our classroom, this doesn't play well, right, in society today. But that's the idea here, that when we really know who God is, that will either potentially be the posture of our bodies, but for sure be the posture of our hearts towards him. But I wonder, how often is that the posture of our hearts? Like that God is so great, that he is so grand, that he's amazing, that we just want to kneel before him. Not because we have to, but because we want to. He's just that amazing. And I wonder, if we don't feel like that, maybe regularly, or have never felt like that, maybe it's because we don't have an accurate view of who he is. Maybe either because we've never been taught, Maybe we think he's a cosmic cop out there ready to get us. Maybe he's some distant God, like a Greek God. But maybe we don't have an accurate view of who God is. Maybe we've experienced too many hypocrites growing up who said they believed in God, who said they followed God, but their lives showed something differently. Or I wonder, too, if we've never experienced God in relationship with him, as we're going to talk about next week as father. This summer... When my son Ben and uh, Maya and my wife Libby went on vacation, we found this place called Devil's Punch Bowl. Does anyone like to climb up on rocks and jump off into water? Anyone who likes to do that? A couple of you, not many of you. I like to do that. Um, My son likes to do that. So we saw a promo video for where we were going, and we saw these people climbing up on these rocks and jumping off into the water. And we were like, that looks so fun. We have got to find this place and do this, right? And so we saw this this image. So, yeah, this is the rock. I don't know who this guy is. He's on the world I live. But this is the rock. You climb up, okay, and then you jump down into this just beautiful, beautiful blue water. And so after what was probably a 45-minute hike, maybe an hour hike, it was a long time. We thought it was going to be a little hike. It was a longer hike. We, we come to Devil's Punch Bowl, and there's me. 
All right. And you can tell this isn't like that's not extremely high. Right. Can we agree on that? It's not extremely high. And yet, as I'm climbing up there, my heart is beating fast. Right. I'm getting scared and I'm getting nervous. And there's there's this other family who we meet that's done this before. They're from Washington and they're all there. And there's like this little nine year old kid. And I get up to this point. He's like, go higher. And I'm like, listen, squirt. No, I didn't say that. He's like, go higher. Why are you stopping there? And I'm like, because I'm a dad. And his dad's like, that's right. Right? He said, that's right. And so we get up there, and I'm ready to jump. And all these things are going through your mind. And again, what is that, 20 feet, 30 feet, maybe not even? But it feels really, really high when you're up there. And when you're up there, and when your heart is beating that fast, you know, you're thinking, should I be doing this? Am I setting a bad example for my son who's going to want to do this afterwards? And then reason sets in. Of course I should do this. Of course this is a good example. And so you do it. And if you bring up that next image, you jump and you're just out there, right? You're just out there. Why? Well, one, you don't want to die, right? You want to get away from the ledge. But when you jump, you don't just kind of tiptoe off. You don't just kind of fall off. You give it everything you have. And go as far away from that rock as you can so that you can jump into that water. And I wonder if this is what King David envisions when he says, "Praise the, Bless the Lord, oh, praise the Lord, O oh my soul, all that was within me. Praise his holy name. Like with everything we have, we just want to praise God with our minds, with our lips, with our lives, that we would praise and honor God. But what would motivate us to do that? That's what he's going to talk about next. He's going to talk about that we can know God and who he is through what he's done. And so after encouraging followers to praise God with everything they have, in verse 2 it explains how we do that. We, we remember God and what he's done through his benefits. Now this sounds bad. This sounds transactional. It sounds like I worship God because of he does X for me. He's not a genie. He's not a vending machine. That's not what I'm saying. But there is a link here between reminding us of who God is through what God has done for us or what God offers to do for us. Um, the other day I went to get an eye exam. Has anyone ever had an eye exam? Anybody get them regular? Probably many of us wear either contacts, glasses, or have had LASIK in this um, in this gym space here, right? And so I went to get an uh, eye exam, not because I had really noticed a change in my eyes or my vision, but I knew I wanted to get new glasses, not these. They're still on order. But I wanted to get new glasses, and I'm not going to get new glasses and get new glasses without knowing if my prescription changed, right? Here's the deal, though. I hadn't been to get an eye exam for probably three years. I'm not good at that. I don't go to the dentist enough either. It just takes too long. But I hadn't been for like three years. And so what did I have to do? I had to look at my explanation of benefits. Why did I have to do that? So that it was covered. And because I don't remember. Because it had been so long, because I hadn't been, I don't remember kind of like what my coverage is. I kind of have a vague idea, but I wanted to remember. So if you put up that slide, I didn't remember that they would cover here Every month, they would cover single vision lenses in full. Well, I didn't remember that, so I had to go and look at that. And so each year, what that means, my benefits allow me that I could get new lenses if my prescription changed with which to see life differently. But I don't know if you remember. I, I remember the first time I got glasses. I think it was seventh or eighth grade, right? 
I didn't necessarily want to get them, but I got them. I was in those middle school years, and so I didn't really want it, but I got them. And I remember, I was like, before like this, and you get glasses, and I'm in math class, and I'm like, this is amazing. It's a whole new world. You can see differently, and when you get that new prescription, you're like, wow, everything is crisp. Everything is clear. But then a day or a week or a month later, do we still think that? We don't, right? We take it for granted. What was once so wow, we begin to take for granted and don't appreciate anymore. I wonder if it could be the same for us as followers of Jesus and how we view God. And in essence, the benefits, the new lens with which he allows us to see life. Right at one point, we're like, wow. Or maybe at times, we're like, wow, God, you're so amazing. But all too often, all too quickly, the wow factor wears off. And in our day-to-day lives, we forget who God is. We forget his benefits. And it begins to show in our lives. Or maybe, like I said before, we've put all our money on a God who simply doesn't exist. And we therefore haven't maybe ever experienced relationship with the one true God in the person of Jesus. I want to look at a couple of the benefits that this psalm talks about. That, that God either offers or grants us if we have a relationship with him. If you could put up that slide, Gary, for me. He, here's the benefits he talks about. And I'm going to hit on the first and the third, really. He says that he forgives all your sins. He heals all your diseases. He redeems your life from the pit and basically replaces it and crowns you with love and compassion. He satisfies your desires with good things. And this first benefit that God forgives our sins is what I want to look at first. So you can't see this because it's a little bit dark, but this big jar says Jesus. This jar says sin. And this jar says you. Okay, so I want you to think that that first verse in Psalm 103 says, praise his holy name. Uh, Jesus has always been and will always be holy, which means he's been set apart. He's been set apart by God to show what God is like. And in the beginning, so were you and so were I. So were Adam and Eve. They were set apart to show what God was like, to show his love, his grace, his compassion, his character to each other and to a watching world. But if we know the story, we know that that didn't last long. That sin invaded their hearts. That sin tainted their hearts. And when they were once set apart to display what God was like, set apart for him to show his love and compassion, life became tainted by their own sin. And so something had to be done. That it created a, a rift, a separation relationally between man and God. It created death, both spiritual and physical. And man's sins stood against them. Well, enter Jesus on the scene, who always has been set apart, who always will be set apart, who's been perfect. And he came that he would take your sin. And that he would take my sin, and not just yours and mine, but he would take the sin of the whole world upon himself. And with every step of obedience in his whole 33 years, with never once rebelling against the Father, with never once saying no to him, with never once choosing his will 
over the fathers with every step. It led up to a perfect life being lived. It led up to a sufficient death being where he died. It led up to him being resurrected, victorious over sin and life to where he would take all the sin of the world and he would offer to replace it with his righteousness, with his perfection, with his holiness. And you see what happens is when we place our faith and trust in Jesus Christ, he takes all that sin and all that mess and he replaces it with his perfection. He replaces it with his righteousness. He takes our sin and he forgives it. And he replaces it with his own perfection. And were this illustration perfect, that would instantly turn clear. But it's not perfect, so it's going to turn clear in a second. Jesus offers to forgive our sins. Jesus offers to replace our sin with his righteousness, with his perfection, so that once again we can be set apart people who through our minds and in our lips and in our lives, we can show what Jesus is like. And family, if, if David were thinking about this, he would be like, oh my goodness, this is amazing news. This is someone who saw a woman who was attracted to her, who was intimate with her. She became pregnant, gave birth, and then he sent out the husband as a cover-up to be killed on the front lines. This man, King David, is a man the scriptures say was a man after God's own heart. This man, King David, is one who God took his sin, and as far as east is from the west, took it away from him, washed him as white as snow, the scriptures say. This man knew what it was like to be forgiven, and all he could do is say, praise the Lord, O my soul. Praise the Lord, O my soul. Because God is a forgiver. Think about that. All our past sins, no matter what they were, through faith in Jesus, forgiven. All our present sins, through faith in Jesus Christ, forgiven. All our future sins, hopefully not the one I'll commit on the soccer field as a coach yelling at my kids this afternoon, forgiven. All of them, no matter what we've done, no matter what we will do through faith in Jesus Christ, he's bigger, he's stronger, forgiven. Like if we just allow ourselves to think about that for any length of time, I don't know what could come into our hearts and our minds and then be shown in our lips other than getting on our knees and saying, praise the Lord, oh my soul. With all that is within me, praise his holy name. Like we don't deserve it, but God is forgiver. But God is forgiver. And in my own life, and I think it would be the same for you, the only reason that I wouldn't think that and have that be the attitude of my heart and maybe the posture of my body is because I don't really believe my sins need to be forgiven. I'm not that bad. They don't really separate me relationally from God or separate his power being shown in my life or because I've forgotten how good he is. And I've forgotten the benefits of what he offers me. First benefit that talks about who God is is God is forgiver. 
God is forgiven. The second one that it talks about is he heals all our diseases. And I'm going to just spend a little bit of time on that, not a ton. If we were to read that for face value, what we would think is he would heal all cancer. He would heal all illness. He would heal all, and he does do that. I've experienced it. I've prayed for it, and his mercy has happened. And yet I've prayed and I've experienced the opposite too, where I don't understand. Right? Now, there is a day coming when he will heal all diseases, but we live in the midst of that time, between the time where in the beginning, perfect relationship with God, no sin, no sickness, no death, and a time coming again where there will be no sorrow, no sin, no sickness, no death. And in between them, God sometimes heals physically. He sometimes doesn't heal physically. But what he wants to do is even in the midst of that time and even in the midst of that pain and that suffering, he wants to draw us closer to him. He wants to change us and allow us to depend upon him through faith in Jesus Christ. There is a time coming where he'll heal all diseases. That's assured. But we live in the midst of that time right now. The third benefit that he talks about in this is he talks about redeeming our life from the pit. And redeem means to buy back. It means to buy us back. And family, through faith in Jesus Christ, God the Father, he's redeemed us. He's bought us back. Last week we read this verse. For he has rescued us from the dominion of darkness and brought us into the kingdom of the Son he loves, in whom we have redemption, the forgiveness of sins. And through faith in Jesus, we're actually given what only Jesus deserves, eternal life. And we're actually spared (laughs) from what we really deserve, eternal death and separation from God. We're rescued. We're redeemed. We're restored to relationship with God the Father through Jesus Christ. And and I was trying to think of an applicable nowadays illustration for what this would look like. And I I don't know what it was like to live in the time of slavery, right? But what if I were a slave and someone were to come and to purchase my freedom? They paid off my debt. They bought me back from, quote, unquote, my owner. But in doing so, there was a price that had to be paid. And it was my life freed, but their life given. I mean, this is what redemption is talking about. In Ephesians 1, 7, it states this. Can you bring that up, Gary? Do I have that or I don't think I have that? It says, in him we have redemption through his blood. This is talking about Jesus, the forgiveness of sins in accordance with the riches of God's grace. See, God is redeemer. He's bought us back from his enemy (laughs) so that we might be a people set apart to declare who he is. It starts in our minds, that flows in through our lips, and then leads out in our lives. And again, if, if we understand this and we believe this and we meditate on this, I think that our posture of our hearts or our bodies would be, praise the Lord, oh my soul, all that's within me, praise his holy name. I want to seek to apply this just a little bit here this morning and not talk more about the benefits. Um, but Ryan, I, something that I didn't know, Ryan and Jay, did you see what they both mentioned about being important for their own growth as a follower of Jesus? Do you remember what both of them said? I don't think they planned it. They talked about engaging with the scriptures. See, family, if you're like me, 
you don't forget about God and who he is and his benefits because, like, we're these evil people. We've got so much information coming at us at a constant rate, whether it be through social media, whether it be through the Internet, whether it be through commercials, whether it be whatever. We're just flooded with information. All the more reason, like they said, to, to regularly take time to meditate on truth, to meditate on who God is, to meditate on what he's done. And the best way I've found to do that is through engaging with the scriptures on a regular basis. One of the best ways, I should say. So times like this help us to do that, right? And we could say, well, the Jewish people, they didn't even have a, like, a Bible to read, etc. But they memorized it. And it was continually going through their head. See, part of why we gather like this is to remind ourselves of how great God is. Remind ourselves of the benefits that he offers us. Uh, groups do the same thing. Whether they be small groups, missional communities, smaller triads, or DNAs, whatever we call them, they help us remember through the scriptures and through discussing them, better yet, with other people, who God is, his many benefits, and uh, how we can apply those to our lives. And also we grow friendships with people. But I can't overestimate the importance of this book and these scriptures to our life as followers of him. So whether it be that we read it physically, whether we have an app for it, um, whether it be – the thing with me and an app for it is I get distracted. I'll get a text message and be like, like, right, I can't focus. Whether it be an app, though, whether we listen to it like Ryan said, whether we read it, it's so important to be in the scriptures. And it's easier to do when you're doing that with other people. And I get there's a lot of barriers to doing this some of us like ryan said did you hear what he said too he's like the reason i didn't do that is because i didn't feel like i'd understand it you know this big book i remember i've shared stories before about when i first started reading the scripture i'd read a verse and then i'd write what i thought it meant and then i'd read a verse and i'd write what i thought it would meant and after about 15 verses i'm like this is for the birds i'm never reading the bible again right but we're reading it yes for information sometimes but a lot of times we're reading it to remember to remember who God is, to remember the benefits that he offers. And so I want to say and invite us that the way we can consistently have in our minds and our lips and our lives say, praise the Lord, O my soul, all that's within me, praise his holy name, is by continually meditating on the scriptures. On the scriptures. Another way that I've found that's great to remember who God is and his benefits is through music. We like music, right? We're, uh, uh, we can remember music a lot of times easier in lyrics than maybe even the scriptures or something like that. What I'm not saying is everybody has to listen to K-Love all the time. I don't do that. Okay, I don't do that. Some people do that. Um, I don't do that. But what I am saying is that filling our minds with who God is and his many benefits through song is helpful. The music we sing on Sunday mornings. Do you ever have it where you sing on Sunday and then you go home and it's kind of still in your mind? And you still sing it throughout the day, you sing it throughout the week? Well, God can use that to remind us of who he is and what he's done. Who he is and what he's done. Lastly, I want to apply this in a way that, um, that I usually don't. See, growing up in the tradition that I grew up in, I kind of had a bad taste in my mouth towards, like, posture on my knees. 
Okay, because growing up the way I grew up, it seemed like it was ritual. It seemed like there wasn't meaning behind it. I didn't, I didn't get why we were doing what we were doing. Well, what if even withstanding that, what if at some point today, or what if at some point this week, we got on our knees by our bedside? We got on our knees by our sofa. We got on our knees, and, and, and we could say a lot of things to God. But, but maybe what we do is we say, God, I, I don't know if I believe what we just talked about this morning. I don't know if I really believe that you're bigger than any sin. I don't know if you could really redeem my life and cause me to be set apart, to have purpose for you and living for you. I don't know if you could redeem my life from the pit and crown me with love and compassion. I don't really know if you could satisfy my desires with good things. Maybe we'd kneel before him and confess, God, you know what? All too often I take you for granted. I haven't remembered, maybe for a long time, the fact that through faith in Jesus Christ, as far as the east is from the west, you've separated me from my sins. Maybe it would be something else. But what if this week we took even a minute, five minutes, got on our knees physically to show God, even if it's not the posture of our heart, God, make it the posture of our heart. God, do something for me that I can't do for myself. In a few moments, we're going to celebrate communion together. And as we celebrate communion, uh, what we're doing is we're remembering Right? We're remembering who God is. He's forgiver. He's redeemer. We're remembering what he's done. He showed us that through the person and work of Jesus Christ. So the music worship team is going to get back up, and they're going to lead us in a song, Oh, Come to the Altar. And what I would like you to do is I would like you to just take a minute, maybe two minutes, just talk to God. You don't have to do it out loud, but talk to God in your heart if there's anything you want to confess, anything you want to say you're sorry for. Go ahead and do that. And when you feel it's appropriate, I would like you to come up, take one wafer, one cup, take those back. They will be there. They're not there yet, but they will be there. And bring those back to your seats, and then we'll celebrate communion together to remember who our God really is.